Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Romans is Paul's longest letter and in this letter Paul laid a solid framework for understanding the gospel and how it relates to the big picture of the world and God's relationship with all people, Jews and Gentiles. No? Romans and Galatians are much the same <clears throat> and the two letters can be read uh, together or closely after each other. Maybe just first read Galatians because it's shorter and then you can go to Romans. But the content of the two letters are much the same and they explain each other. It took us eight Sundays to get to the end of Romans chapter 4. Okay, eight Sundays messages to get to Romans 4. So this letter uh, is just so full that there is a lot to be discovered in every, in every chapter. No? There's just so much to, to, to discover, to read and to see about God. Let me just refresh your memories. The first four chapters of Romans for many people are quite difficult and uncomfortable to read because Paul talks a lot about sin and God's anger eh? and judgment. But Paul does this for a reason, okay? To explain and to make clear our need for a Savior. Okay, so in chapter 1, the main idea is that all people are trapped in sin and they need to be rescued or saved. Okay? That's the main idea of chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 2, we cannot rescue ourselves by trying to obey the law or be a good person. You can't save yourself. No? And number 3, or chapter 3, we are rescued or saved by God Himself. Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection. That is how God saves us. Through His sacrifice on the cross and His resurrection. And then chapter 4, God creates a new family from all the peoples of the earth. We are made a part of God's family by faith when we believe the gospel. Amen. 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 So in preparation for today's message and to just get my mind back into Romans, I read through uh, Romans chapter 1 to 4 again. And I really encourage you to do the same. No? I believe we are going to focus on Romans for a while, since we, okay. it took us 8 messages just to get to the end of chapter 4. So we might be in Romans for a while still. No? So I really think that you will get a lot more out of um, out of the study and out of these messages, if you go read Romans for yourself, no? okay. are we going to do that? Mm, yes. <laughs> okay, you can even read the whole letter. You can read the whole letter. Choose an easy to read translation like the New Living Translation. There's even a, a translation that is called the easy to read version. Okay, you can go there. Um, any easy to read translation and then go through it at your own time, in your own quiet time, read through the book, read through Galatians as well. It's very quickly if you if you um, if you just read through it. No? 
And if there's any questions or anything that confuses you, feel free to come and ask me about it. Because it is my desire that we grow in the Word, né? and that you grow in the Word, that we grow together. Yes. Okay, so if you have questions, if you've read through it, if you have questions, please feel free to come and ask me. Okay. But as I read through the first four chapters, I saw some of the key verses that I highlighted. Uh, and I had to put them here in the message. Here is a key verse from every chapter. Okay, from Romans chapter 1 to 4. See if you can notice what these verses have in common. Okay, Romans 1 verse 16. That is the, the key verse that stood out to me from Romans 1 verse 16. It says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Amazing, huh? That was the key verse for me from Romans 1 verse 16. Now, Romans 2 verse 29. And keep in mind, what? ask yourself, what are these verses talking about? Romans 2 verse 29 says, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. If your heart is right with God, then you are a Jew. <laughs> Did you know that? If your heart is right with God, you are a Jew. <laughs> and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. That is very important. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. Amen. A change heart, that is talking about being born again. Om weder gebore te wees. Ne? Romeine 3 vers 21, Romans 3 verse 21. This is what stood out to me most from, from Romans 3 verse, uh, or from Romans chapter 3. It says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. Without without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone, everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet, yet, God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. Freely. I like that word. Free. Freely. Do you like things that are free? I also like things that are free. God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Yes. 
People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. Amen. That's good. Romans 3. Now Romans 4. Romans 4 verse 22 stood out to me from Romans 4. Verse 20, 22. And it says, And because of Abraham's faith, Abraham's faith, ne? God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in Him. If you believe in God, God is counting you as righteous. No? What does righteous mean? It means to be in right relationship with God. No? Righteous. Right with God. Um, assuring to, uh, sorry, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in Him. The one who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was handed over to die because of our sins. And He was raised to life to make us right with God. It gives us the definition of what righteousness is. To be made right with God. So what stood out to you from those verses? What are, what are those verses talking about? If you can maybe sum it up in a sentence or a word. Not a trick question. <laughs> Believing. Believing, amen. That's good, yes. I agree. Anyone else? Right standing with God. Right standing with God, yes. Amen. Anything else? <laughs> salvation, eh? It's about our salvation. How are we saved? We are saved by believing, as Lucy said. Believing the gospel. Mm. Believing in what Jesus did for us. What did you say, Nella? Right standing. right standing with God. To get right standing with God. To be in relationship with God. All it requires is faith. To believe the gospel. Mm -hmm. That is good news. huh? Amen. And those, for me, those were the, the, the key verses from... Chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Eh? So this is what the book of Romans is all about. It's Paul explaining what righteousness is. It's Paul explaining what salvation is. He makes it crystal clear. Eh? Many times we look at our performance. Eh? What is our performance? We struggle with things. Eh? We struggle with sin. We struggle with addictions. Or, we look at what goes on in our minds. Mm. Eh? We struggle with temptations, maybe. We struggle to control our thoughts. Eh? And we look at these things, and then we doubt whether we are saved. Eh? Have you ever doubted your salvation? I've doubted. I've doubted whether I'm saved or not. I've done things in the past and I say like, God, am I even saved? 
Am I even saved? And I believe we struggle with doubt because we do not know what the Word says. We do not know what the Word says. We need to become firmly rooted, firmly rooted in the doctrine of salvation. What is the doctrine of salvation? Exactly what we are talking about this morning. The doctrine of salvation is how we are saved. How we are made right with God. Paul truly did an excellent job here in Romans, explaining from so many different angles what salvation is. If you struggle in this way, you often wonder if you are truly saved, if you doubt your salvation. Yeah. Read and meditate on Romans. Me read and meditate on these verses. Yeah? Ask yourself, ask yourself, what does the Word of God say? Yeah? Not... What do I feel like? How you feel like with regards to your salvation is irrelevant. Okay? Don't ask yourself, what about all these wrong things in my head? All of these wrong thoughts that just keep coming and they never stop. Don't focus on that. We need to stop disqualifying ourselves. Because we do that a lot. We disqualify ourselves when God has already qualified you. Stop condemning yourselves. No? Because God is not condemning you. The Word of God needs to be our ultimate reality. No? Our ultimate reality needs to come from this book. We need to let God shape our perspective of reality. What is true for you mustn't come from your feelings. It mustn't come from what people say about you. What is true about you mustn't come from what you see in your actions. Come on. This word, come on. this word is what is true Amen. about you. Amen. Do you understand what I'm saying? Colossians 2 verse 6, Colossians 2 verse 6, you can go there in your Bible. Colossians 2 verse 6. says, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus your, as your Lord, how did you accept Him? By? Say that? By faith. By faith, yes. No? Just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Yes. You accepted Him in faith. You accepted Him by, leave it, by believing in Him. So continue in that. Don't go over to works, no? Don't go over to trying to impress God, trying to earn things from God. Just yes. as you receive Him, so you receive everything else. Amen. No? Let your roots grow down into Him. This is key. Let your roots grow down into Him and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. 
and you will overflow with thankfulness. Amen. So Paul is creating a picture about a tree eh? or a plant. He's talking about roots. Eh? Have you ever tried to pull a tree out of the ground? Huh? Have you ever tried? I encourage you to go and try it this afternoon. Okay? Just remember to lift with your legs, not with your back. Eh? Lift with your legs as you try and pull out the tree. What will happen? If you, pull, if you try and pull out a tree, go choose a nice big tree out there and try it. What do you think will happen? Nothing, no? <laughs> if you don't lift correctly, you will, you will get hurt. But the tree will not move a millimeter. The tree will not move a millimeter. I think Pax weet iets van bome uit die grond uit al. Hy werk op a construction site, so hy het sikkel al a paar bome sien uit al. And the effort that is required, the machinery that is required to remove a tree, it is tremendous effort. A human being cannot do it on its own. Why? Because a tree has got thousands of roots. They curl through the ground. They curl around pipes in the ground. They curl around massive rocks in the ground. The roots of trees can even push their way through hard, stony beds. You know, deeper in the ground there's, there's uh, uh, clip beddings. There's stone beds of stone. The roots of trees go in and through that. Eh? Some roots are thick. And then they go, they, it's just like branches. They start thick and then they split up and they split up and thinner and thinner. All those branches, all those roots are going around and through the soil. That is why a tree will remain standing. Eh? Yeah. Sure. That is what the image, that is the image that Paul is creating here. That is how we need to be. He says to us, let your roots Grow down into Christ. Ne? Our lives must be rooted and built on Jesus. Mm. Ephesians 3 verse 17 says, Then Christ, 3 verse 17 Ephesians, Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love. And keep you strong. What do you need to do if you want to be strong? What do you need to do if you need encouragement? What do you need to do if the, the troubles of life is knocking at your door? Trust in God. And let your roots grow deep into Jesus. Right? Otherwise, you're going to blow away. Right? When we are rooted in Christ, we will be strong. And just like those massive trees, we, uh, we will remain standing in spite of what may come our way. No? What did Paul say about salvation in those verses? We are saved when we believe the gospel. It is a free gift of God. We do not and cannot earn it by keeping the law. We cannot earn it by our performance, by being good, by going to church, by praying. 
None of that can earn anything from God. It's good to do it. Eh? And we have to do it. Because that is how we grow in relationship with God. But we can't do anything to earn anything from God. That also means that you cannot lose your salvation by doing anything bad. If you are a child of God, if you've been born again, you are His. And just like your good works couldn't save you, so also your bad works cannot make you unsaved. Eh? You can't lose your salvation. Because it is not about your performance. It is about Jesus' performance. Eh? Jesus performed on our behalf, in our place. Think about where you were the f in the first place. Eh? Romans 3 tells us that we were lost in sin. We all fell short of God's standard. That is the position from which God has taken you in the first place. You weren't a good person when God saved you. You were lost. You were in sin. You were His enemy. And from that position, from a position, put yourself in God's shoes. People that, do, that doesn't want anything to do with Him. He saved. He reached out and saved. If He saved you from that position, why do you think He will let you go? If you do something wrong. Huh? Listen to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, go there for me. When God says, He will never leave you and forsake you, <laughs> then He will never leave you and forsake you. The Psalm 40 verse 2. It's a Psalm of David. Psalm 40 verse 2. Are you there? It says, He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground, and He steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what He has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. When people see us, they will be amazed. Eh? Yeah. When people see what God has done in our lives, they will be amazed and they will put their trust in the Lord. But that's not quite what David is talking about. I'll explain to you now. Verse 4. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud, or in those who worship idols. David lived a thousand years before Jesus was born. Eh? A thousand years. And he prophesied about Jesus. Through salvation, God has lifted you out of the pit. This is, this is what David is talking about. He is talking about salvation. The picture of God lifting you out of the pit, out of the mud. Why, if he was the one that took you out of the pit in the first place, why would he cast you away when you fail? No? Yeah. God will never reject you if you have received his spirit. If you have become his child, you will never reject you. 
You remember the story of the prodigal son? Yeah. Yeah. Look at verse 3. It says, Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will trust in the Lord. David was prophesying about God becoming a human being, living a perfect, sinless life, dying on the cross as punishment for our sin, and resurrecting on the third day. I believe that that is what, um, what um, David was talking about. What people would see and trust. It's talking about salvation. Let's look, go a little bit down to verse 6. Psalm 40 verse 6. It says, You take no delight in sacrifices or offerings. Now that you have made me listen, I finally understand. You don't require burnt offerings or sin offerings. Then I said, Look, I have come. As is written about me in the scriptures, I take joy in doing your will, my God, for your instructions are written on my heart. Do you know who's speaking there? Look at Hebrews 10 verse 8. Hebrews 10 verse 8. That's in the New Testament now. <clears throat> Hebrews 10 verse 8. We just read Psalm 40. Now we're going to Hebrews. Hebrews 10 verse 8. This is what Jesus said when He came into the world. Hebrews 10 verse 8. First Christ said, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them. Jesus is quoting that verse, no? though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, Look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Huh? That's amazing. We are made right with God from start, when you are born again, yes. to finish, Amen. when we die and resurrect one day, by faith in Christ. No? We are made holy once for all time. That's beautiful. Amen. That is salvation. David was prophesying about salvation, the salvation that Jesus was going to bring. And it's that simple and that easy. And I praise God for that. Huh? Think about it. How does that make you feel? It, me it makes me feel like a burden has been taken off my shoulders. I feel light. I feel joy. I feel happy. When I meditate on the simplicity of this, I meditate on how good God is. How He saved me. I start laughing. Huh? It's like in the week I was sitting in front of my computer preparing this message. And as I read this, I just I start laughing. And I'm, I'm thinking it's probably good that there's no one else in the room because people would think I'm crazy. 
because I'm, I'm sitting and all of a sudden I'm laughing. And all I can say is, thank you, Jesus. Amen. When we think about these truths, when we think about how good God is, <coughs> thankfulness rises up in our hearts. Mm. Let's go to Romans 5. Romans 5. When you understand salvation, you'll get happy very quickly. You will feel joy when you understand your salvation. When you see the goodness of God. That is a natural product of, of meditating on God's word. Joy will rise up. Thankfulness will rise up. In my Bible, it's interest, it was interesting for me to see that the title of Romans 5 is Faith Brings Joy. Huh? <laughs> Faith Brings Joy. So Romans 5 verse 1. <clears throat> we are only going to look at Romans 5 verse 1, 2, I think 11. Romans 5 verse 1, 2, 11. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. This is important. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. That will bring you peace. Because... Of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Number three, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us uh, develop endurance. Verse four. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. <coughs> Verse 6. When we were, true, uh, sorry, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us Amen. by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Verse 10, For since our friendship with God <clears throat> was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. Mm. 
So now we can rejoice. We can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Wow. Amen. We have been made friends of God. Okay, so let's look at, we're going to go through Romans 5 verse 1 to 11. I'm going to read Romans 5 verse 1 again. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Christ, what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. You are now standing in a place of undeserved privilege. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Once again, Paul is cementing the fact that it is by faith that we receive everything that God has for us. Faith is crucial. You can know all of these amazing truths, but if you do not truly believe it, it will have no effect on you. We have to start believing that these things are true for you personally. I think many times we hear the truth and we agree because the pastor is reading from the Bible. And we think it can work for other people. But like I said, we disqualify ourselves. We do not take it for ourselves. Okay? We need to stop doing that. <laughs> we need to stop doing that. You need to take these truths and believe them. Believe them for yourself, guys. Listen to what he says here. We have peace with God. Think about that. There is peace between you and God. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning. But there is peace between you and God. I searched for the original meaning of the word peace. In the Greek it says, The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God. Fearing nothing from God. And content with its earthly lot. With whatsoever sort that is. But what stood out to me is fearing nothing from God. That is what it means to have peace with God. It is a position of relaxation. You can relax. It is a position of calmness. No fear. No expectancy of anything negative from God. Romans 5 verse 9 says that there is no condemnation to be expected from God. God is not angry at you. God is not frustrated or irritated with you. God isn't investigating you. Huh? God is not looking for faults in you. The Passion Translation says that we are flawless in God's eyes. You are flawless. What does it mean to be flawless? There is no flaw. What is a flaw? 
it is a mistake, something that is not right, something that is impure, not nice. There is no flaw in you, in God's eyes. We need to believe that about ourselves. Peace is something that comes from knowing that you are 100% right with God. If you do not have peace this morning, look at this, meditate on these truths. Peace is something that only comes from knowing that you are 100% right with God. If you want peace, meditate on that fact. Isaiah 26 verse 3, you don't have to go there, I'm just going to read it for you. Uh, Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect, perfect, (laughs) perfect peace. All who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you, fix your thoughts, fix it, it means put it there, hold it there, keep it there, fix your thoughts, like you fix something in the ground, you know what I mean, you set it on in the Saldastan, you planted it, that's the word, plant your thoughts. Root your thoughts. We're coming back to the rooting, man. Root your thoughts on Christ. Root your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what He did for you. And peace, perfect, perfect peace will be yours. That's amazing. Peace can only come when we relate to God on the basis of faith in what He did for us. Instead of what we can do for Him. Those of us who are thinking that we must perform up, uh, no, sorry, perform up to some standard to be accepted by God will have no peace. If you are in a performance mentality, if you are nervous that God is investigating you, if you are wondering if you've done enough for God to accept you, you will not have peace. Eh? That puts the burden of salvation on your shoulders. And we cannot bear that load. That is why Jesus said to his disciples, Come to me, all of you who are weary and tired, and I will give you rest. Jesus wasn't talking about physical rest. He was talking about resting in your salvation. Resting, knowing that he saves you. You do not save yourself. Amen? What God has given us is received by faith alone. If you are more conscious of your sin than His righteousness, you will never enjoy peace with God and you won't have any joy because joy is a fruit that comes from peace. Peace comes from knowing that you are righteous. You know that you are righteous, you will have peace. If you have peace, you will have joy. Amen. Your relationship with God will be a boring chore. A chore. What is a chore? Uh, What is it in Afrikaans? Uh, uh, A tough, yes. Uh, it It will be something you have, you feel you have to do. Not something you want to do. A talk, a chore. 
Romans 3, uh, sorry, Romans 5 verse 3. And that's not what our relationship with God should be. No? It shouldn't be like we feel we have to do it, but we don't really want to. But that is the case for many people. And it's because they don't understand what they have in Christ. Romans 5 verse 3. We can rejoice. We can rejoice. We can rejoice. <laughs> we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Huh? Rejoice when we run into problems and trials. Yo. That's amazing. For we know that they help us in, uh, develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know. Do you know? He says that he knows. We know. Do you know? How dearly God loves us. Because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. So, Paul is building on what he just said about right standing with God. Because of our right relationship with God, that will never change. No? There will always be peace in our relationship with God. And the natural fruit of that peaceful relationship will be joy. If you are having relationship with God, no? you can be saved and you cannot enjoy relationship with God. There is people like that. They, they got saved, but somewhere along the line, because they're not focusing on what Jesus did, they are not enjoying relationship with God. They are not meditating on the Word. If you are not living in relationship with God, if you are not meditating on the Word, if you are not adding faith to the Word, applying it to yourself and the way that you think, you are going to struggle when problems and trials come. Yes? But what, what is good for me from the Scripture is that we can have joy, we can have peace, even in the midst of difficulties. That is how mind-blowing and how wonderful God's grace is. How wonderful God is. How wonderful peace is that comes from Him. It, it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It is constant. It is constant. When you are rooted in Jesus, you will endure and you will mature. That is what Paul is talking about here. The development of endurance that leads to the strengthening of your character. That is maturity. A mature believer is confident in his or her salvation. A mature believer is a rooted believer. Eh? A mature believer is fully convinced of God's love. Receives that love daily in an active relationship with God that overflows to others. Eh? That is what a mature believer is. Do I need to repeat that? Did you hear me? Romans 5 verse 6. Romans 5 verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not, would not be willing 
to die for an upright person. An upright person is someone that is good, ne? that acts good, they're performing well, they, they, they're a good person. They yeah. give to the poor, they feed the naked, they, yes. they do good things, an upright person. Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. Yeah. Paul is creating a contrast here, okay? Yes. He's, he wants to illustrate a point. So he's saying that people might die for a very good person. Someone might lay down his life for a person that is specially good. But then he says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Still sinners. Not a good person. Not a little bit of a good person. Sinners. Sinners who rejected and hated God, who wanted nothing to do with God, He saved us. It is impossible to imagine people giving, sorry, it is possible to imagine people giving up their lives for others. That has happened many times. But it is hard to imagine that they would sacrifice their lives for their enemies. Ne? God has sacrificed His life for His enemies. Who was His enemies? The world. Yeah, we were His enemies. And God sacrificed His life for us. That is exactly what God did. Since this is so, how could we ever doubt God's goodness for us now? Verse 9. We're coming to a close. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Why? Because God's condemnation has been poured out on Jesus. The condemnation and the punishment for sin has been poured out on Jesus. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of His Son, while we were still His enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of His Son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's beautiful. This is once again Paul explaining the Gospel. The goodness of God can be seen in, the, in this explanation. We were enemies of God, deserving nothing good from God. Yet, because God is so good, it, it, this, he's, Paul is illustrating the goodness of God. Eh? He's magnifying God. God is so good, in spite of your hatred and selfishness, He saves us and makes us His friends. Wow. How do we get rooted in Christ? Firstly, you need to be born again. Eh? Mm, okay. You need to have made a decision in your life. You need to have made a decision that you will believe in Jesus. Mm. That you accept His sacrifice for your sin on your behalf. Mm. That is what you need to believe. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You need to be born again. But being rooted in Christ happens in our thinking okay where does rooted happen where do we get rooted in christ in our thinking the way we think 
You can be saved, but you can miss out because of your mind. Your thinking is not rooted in the truth. If you do not have peace and joy, listen carefully. If you do not have peace and joy, if these truths do not excite you, if thankfulness and praise do not swell up in your heart, it is simply, it simply means <coughs> that you need to meditate on these amazing truths a little bit more. No? That is what you need to do. I'm giving you an answer this morning. Meditate on the Word of God. The problem is that we occupy our minds with nonsense. And we do not take control of our own thoughts. Some people believe that everything that comes into their minds is, it is just, that is how it is. You have to accept it. No? You can control your thoughts. You can control your emotions. You need to take charge of your emotions. Your emotions, your feelings is not who you are. It is not the determiner of truth. This is the truth. The word is the truth. Not how we feel. Not how we perform. No? We can stress and worry for hours. But how much time do we spend reading and meditating the Word of God? How much time do we give to being thankful? How much time do we give to prayer? Paul says in Romans 12, Romans 12 verse 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to renew your mind. Ne? And God will bring the transformation. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for your life. Genuine change comes as we behold the Lord and allow His Word to take root in our hearts. Although you were made into a brand new creation the moment you responded to the Lord in faith, some things did not change. Old habits, attitudes and mindsets can hinder and prevent the purposes of God in your life, making you unfruitful and miserable. The remedy, I know this sounds very depressing, but here's the answer, and it's good and it's simple. The remedy is to change the way you think. It's all about your focus. It's all about your focus. Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.